Well, ho, 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 and Merry Christmas. I hope you've been a good boy and girl because we have an excellent... Santa, 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 listen, it's just you and me. You don't have to do the voice anymore. Well, are you sure about that? Because I could... No, no, you're you're good. You're good. Okay, good, because I cannot stand doing that voice at all the malls every time a kid stays up at midnight to see me. It's just ridiculous. I can only keep doing that voice for so long. I don't even know why they portray me as a, as a jolly fellow. I just, I just want to do my job. I'm like any other guy. Jeez. <sighs> anyway, here in the North Pole, we have plenty of fun reading some of your letters. Uh, you, you could compare it to as much fun as like, like a shirtless J.R. Smith with a bottle of Hennessy. Or maybe a Draymond Green kicking people below the belt during games. Or even Steven Adams getting that win on Fortnite. We just wanted to give you this opportunity to let you listen on, on some of the letter reading that, that we do. So let's get started. All right, Santa. Here's the first letter. It's from Giannis Antetokounmpo. It, I, what? I can't read this. Here, you, you take a look at it. What do you mean? Oh, this is, it's in Greek. I can't read Greek. What are, you, what are you kidding me? This is the North Pole, not Athens. Get this out of here. Just just get him an MVP trophy. I don't care. Next. The next one's from James Harden. Something about free throws? Ugh, he probably wants more. Boring. Get him another set of my beard oil. His is looking kind of, ugh. Now we got Kyrie Irving. It says friends. I don't, I don't know if he wants like all the seasons of the TV show or what. No, he, he wants actual friends. It's... That, honestly, that's really sad. I, I I wasn't expecting this from him, but usually he asks for funky colored shoes or or a new team. <sighs> well, I guess he now realizes there's more to life than success and material things. Let's get him some guts so he can go back to Boston. Is is that too harsh? Ooh, ooh, sorry, I, I'm saying I do what I want. I don't care. The next one's from uh, Jimmy Butler. It says to rebuild Miami and my image. What do you think that means? Oh, come on. That can't be... He didn't write that. Really? I gave him a trade to Miami, and now he wants the city to himself? Oh, man. I'm going to have to text Dwayne Wade about this. Give me the next one. We have Dwayne's friend, LeBron. It just says hairline. Oh, yeah. I get this one every year from him. I'll just have to throw it in the pile. Uh, I I sent him a wig, but he didn't like it. I I don't know why. I had a terrible season that year. Maybe that's why. I guess he has to settle for another championship ring. All right, now we have Rudy Gobert, and it just says an all-star appearance. Hmm. Might be difficult with all the stars on his team and in the West in general, but I can at least get him another defensive player of the year trophy. Hmm. Send him that. All right, now we have the newcomer, Zion Williamson. Legs? What? What what does that even mean? Like frog legs? Chicken legs? Drumsticks? He's in New Orleans. That should be easy for him to get. Get him something practical, like, like some duct tape for his shoes that he keeps slipping out of. Next, we have Robin Lopez, and uh, I don't, I don't know if this is deserving of the nice list or the naughty list. It just says, "Kick my brother out of the NBA." It, it's expected from Robin. He, he's really a nice guy, but when it comes to Brooke Lopez or, or even Benny the Bull, he's just, a, he's ruthless. He can be very, very mean. Listen, Robin, you got to chill out, and you, you got to come to terms with this whole Robin and Benny the Bull thing and Brooke. So let, let's just get you some closure. Here's a Benny the Bull stuffed animal. It's on It's on your way. It's coming. And last we have one for, for from Porzingis. Uh, he just wants a poster. A poster of what? A unicorn? A unicorn poster. The things these guys come up with. Get him a poster on a player of his choosing. But no one better than Andre Drummond. He, KP is not fully back yet to his old unicorn self, so he couldn't take on anyone like Steven Adams or Rudy Gobert. 
Well, anyway, we got we got plenty more letters to come. Uh, we got to go through, but it's it's Christmas Eve, so so we gotta we gotta work on this now. I know some of y'all are just getting started shopping, and so am I. So we we gotta get on this. And live from the Carolinas, it's cardboard box seats. Cardboard box seats. Cardboard box seats. But that saxophone. <laughs> Have you ever heard of an armchair quarterback? It means someone has an opinion but doesn't necessarily participate in the sport. But it also means that they care enough about the sport to discuss it and try to make it better. In our basketball world, we call this cardboard box seats. We see the game from afar like true fans, but we always show up with the same intensity as if we were at the games ourselves. We don't have the money or the connections like the other talking heads on TV, but we do have some ideas which might seem too out there, and honestly, we've got opinions which might change. Either way, we have fun, so come and watch the game with us from our cardboard box seats. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of Cardboard Box Seats. Nick's here. Gabe's here. And we also got Jocko. He works for the Warriors organization. Worked. Worked. Oh, sorry. Worked for the Warriors. Formerly. Formerly with the Warriors. Yes. An ex-warrior. Ooh. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and, and what you did when you worked for the Warriors organization? Gosh, a little. That's a, that's a hard thing. You know, before I was at the Warriors, uh, I was when I was very young, I managed a comedy club. That was like the highlight of my life. And then that all went because of personal reasons uh but that's for another episode and so i was just floating around office jobs i got into tech like everyone else i was just doing tech support pretty good with people so that was kind of my strength not one of those condescending tech guys uh but then i got burnt out of that real fast i mean i just really missed the whole bar and nightclub scene and i i just was sort of floating on how i could get back in that industry somehow considering i had burned a lot of bridges as I was sort of floating around jobs, a friend of mine was married to the uh, director of IT at the time for the Warriors. His name was Kevin Akers. He's no longer there. And uh, he needed help, and he needed a tech guy. And as much as it, I love the Warriors, it pained me to, to want to do tech support again. I really didn't want to do it. It just never was into it. I was good at it, but it's just not the thing I want to do for the rest of my life. But he talked me into it. Thank God he did. I ended up liking the job but not so much for the work but uh for the people i met like everyone i've worked with and they can will probably all say the same is i i love them i treat a lot of them like family to this day a couple couple years into it uh we had hired a new vice president of marketing and he basically called me in for to fix his computer one day we got to talking and he realized that i was very creative and things i was doing on the side not my personal life, but like, you know, just kind of helping out our video producers or whatnot with little things, coming up with stupid ideas and maybe helping a player with their social media. And he thought that I was just better suited for marketing. So about a month into his reign as VP of marketing, he sort of hired me, just kind of gave me a dummy position, as I still call it. Uh, he just, it was project manager, but it was pretty much like he just wanted to tap my mind whenever he wanted to. And then you know, I did that for five years. He, he P2 left, but then I got, we had a new director of marketing who I worked under. And those are some of my best working years, I think. And she's now the vice president of marketing, Amanda Chin, for the Warriors. 
shout out to Amanda if she happens to listen to this. Yeah, that's and then you know after I left last April because I finally did what I said that I wanted to get back into the bar restaurant industry. Uh, I'm now a bar manager at a restaurant called Brown Sugar Kitchen in Oakland, and I miss the Warriors enough where I got a job at the Chase Center bartending part time just so I can be around my friends. Well, there Too you much go. For you guys? <laughs> no, no, we'll keep we'll keep going with it. We love it. You couldn't get away from the Warriors, but go ahead and tell us what a day in the life of a project manager actually looked like. You kind of said something along the lines of you were just there to tap your mind creatively, but what, what does that actually look like? Uh, well, I mean. I used to summarize, like my, my elevator pitch used to be like this was, you know, there would constantly be meetings about like, we need to brainstorm, say, you know, a new look and feel for strength in numbers. It was the same theme for like six years straight, but we had to freshen it up or we needed signage in front of the arena. And basically I just <laughs> sat in a corner uh, taking notes and listening to what everyone else said. And then my boss would sort of just unleash me at the end. And then I would come up with a couple of brilliant things and hopefully they would just run with it. If there wasn't a lot of red tape, if there was a lot of red tape. I'd say a lot of my best ideas probably never made it to the public. And then some of them ended up being done by other teams, which made me angry in the future. So you said a lot of them, um, yeah. there's a lot of red tape and, and you had like, you had some great ideas. Do you mind like talking about some of those ideas you had? Sure. I mean, I think one of my favorite ideas that I want always wanted to do was I wanted to do a poster series. There's a famous uh, music venue in San Francisco. I think there's one in the East Coast as well called the Fillmore. And uh, if you go to a show at the Fillmore, it's tradition that they give out a complimentary poster. It's always done by a cool artist. He's Fillmore posters that have been collected worldwide. Uh, and I thought it would be cool to commemorate, commemorate one of our seasons uh, with that. And knowing that we were going to go to Chase Center, that we should just continue it on. You know, I think I came up with this like five years ago, which is just continue it on throughout the lifespan of Oracle and then eventually open some sort of bar or hall that featured all the posters. So there was always going to be an ode to Oracle in Chase Center in some way through these posters and you know there was how do we get the artists pays for this how many do we make all of that ended up just being like too much for too many people there was a lot of chiefs uh <laughs> the warriors never made up the ladder and then like i don't know if you saw like a couple years ago uh portland actually did it and i think they still do it so they actually do feel more style posters at trailblazers games or they at least did it for a season and I was really sad. <laughs> Dang. When you first said posters, I was imagining like so someone from the Warriors dunking on one lucky fan and be like, oh my God. Oh, but yeah. Fill more posters. Okay, yeah, I can see why they had you as a uh, project manager and not me. Yep. <laughs> that would have been pretty dope, though. I mean, especially leading up to leading up to Chase. Like, I mean, even the finals, like, e- even if you didn't do like every game, just big games like, like home finals games, the last game at Oracle. Yep. I don't know. I, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, it was it was essentially going to it was going to uh, that was the whole thing is to try to cut, tell the story of the Warriors in Oakland uh, through the posters and then and then have have that sort of ode to Oakland, uh, which you know if you go around Chase Center now they don't really have, <laughs> so it's sort of missing that that piece in the new arena. I mean, it's a great arena, but it's it's definitely missing the you know the the history in that respect. 
Exactly, especially because there was so, so much history in Oakland. So with the strength in numbers, um, you said you, you sat in meetings and stuff like that trying to ramp it back up. What, what did that look like? So we worked with uh, an ad agency quite a bit. It wasn't their concept, but they were the ones like, you know, we had an internal group, but a design group, but, you know, they had a lot of work on their plate. So my old boss had worked with, could uh, be Silverstein in her past, in her past life. So she sort of brought them on because they're out of San Francisco. They're one of the greatest ad agencies in the history of agencies. And they were big Warrior fans. So they were willing to work with us at a very friendly <laughs> rate uh, to a certain extent. And they sort of just helped us. It was just sort of like look and feel like what kind of fonts we want to use. Kind of photography do we want to do how do we want to ship how do we want to depict these players you know do we want to do commercials you know do we do a radio spot um that kind of thing so our budget wasn't really huge so we just kind of did the most we can with what little a lot of late nights but fun it was fun to work and you know with an ad agency like that i'm a big madman fan so you know <laughs> it's sort of a don draper in me there you go. So moving a little bit further away from kind of what you were doing, how much interaction did you have with kind of the players? So, you know, player interaction is always, <laughs> it was interesting for me, let's just say. Uh, it's, um, you're not supposed to do it as a staff member unless your job dictates it, right? If you work in PR, obviously you have to work with players. If you work on the training staff, you have to work with players. If you're selling tickets, uh, you shouldn't be fraternizing with players. It's just a rule. You know, they are the foundation of what makes our business. You know, you have to protect that. You know, it's like it's like going to a museum. You know, just because you work there doesn't mean you can touch the Mona Lisa every day. Right? That's fair. <laughs> be around it, but you can't, can't put your fingers on it. And, you know, it's just, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, it's kind of like you work at a company and they tell you, you know, not to date your coworkers. You know, it's to that extent. You just just want to do everything to to not influence those guys because they you know again they're they're the backbone of what we're what we're doing and if anything was to to damage it in any way you know it, it would be really disappointing for it to come because of a, a bad friendship you know or like a dating situation whatever however <laughs> there it is however there was a player who approached me and uh, he is since become a very close friend of mine, one of the closest friends in my life, Harrison Barnes. He had heard that I was a big comedy fan, and he found me in the hallway one day, and we just started talking comedy. And, you know, it's like, I didn't really want to talk to him because I knew the rules, but he seemed really interested, and I'm a huge comedy fan. I'm not going to deny someone, especially, uh, you know, a millennial <laughs> who's like, probably doesn't know what comedy is and doesn't know how important it is to society. So I sort of introduced him to that world, and through that introduction of comedy, like we somehow became friends. We joke about it to this day, you know, strange how much we actually had in common. He's kind of an old soul, and I'm sort of a young soul. So you know, and at first that friendship was really frowned upon, uh, and I was talked to by HR and my bosses. But we, you know, through Harris and I, we kind of just assured them like we're just friends. You know, it's not like we're going out and getting drunk every night or, you know, and thankfully he's one of the most sort of God-fearing players in the NBA. He's just a good guy. You know, everyone knows the story of him not drinking until he finally won a championship. And even then it was like one shot with coach and that was it. <laughs> he's a man of upstanding character and 
I'm a dude just trying to keep my job. So neither of us were going to affect that. And, you know, we always played it safe with our friendship. And, you know, he eventually went his way and I, I'm doing my thing now, but we've stayed friends to the point where I was in his wedding. And yeah, that's the friends, I guess. That's awesome. Yeah. And through that, you know, I met a couple other players, you know, obviously like we would hang out with other players and, and I have made friends with other guys but all from that, like, sort of 14, 15 years. Justin Holiday, Fastest Azili, James McAdoo, that was kind of our, our crew, you know, and everyone knows they're all good dudes. So they, you can all see why they vibe together and, and why it was we were able to have those kind of relationships and just be sort of normal guys. You know, even now we're all gone our separate ways. You know, we're all still friends. We stay in touch, you know, text them from time to time, call them from time to time. Uh, you know, we still have this dream. They all get together when they're veterans, <laughs> or when they're old. When they're old veterans, <laughs> at least they are veterans now. Yeah, they they are now. <laughs> so w- those other guys that you mentioned was that also a, a friendship kind of based in comedy, similar to Harrison Barnes? No, that was that was all through Harrison. Like I, I honestly don't meet other players unless you know he was like oh yeah we're gonna go out with this guy or we're gonna meet this person for dinner or hey should we bring this guy to a show with us one day and, you know i who was i to say no right he's paying the tab <laughs> <laughs> it must be nice i mean harrison's not too far from you so i'm sure that that helps with the friendship still no 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 it's definitely like we're we're pretty happy that we're near each other it, it's nice that i can pop up there for a game when i'm not working one of my two jobs so you're currently vice versa. He'll, he'll come visit here too. So, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's the awesome. friendship definitely goes both ways. So I'm sure it's kind of a bummer, like other other than your friendship with Harrison Barnes and, and the friendships that kind of came off that. I'm sure it's kind of a bummer, like being around the players and, and being in the same organization with them and not being able to like talk to them. And then the same thing for like those who sell tickets and stuff like that. It's got. I feel like it's yeah. got to kind of stink to do that. I mean, yes and no, right? Like. You obviously can't go have lunch with Steph Curry, but you know the office is in the practice facility, so there's you don't not cross their paths, right? Uh, when we go to games at the arena, you don't not cross their paths there. And you know the one thing that was great about you know that that run was every player they were all good guys and they were super cordial and will always say nice say hi to you in the hall and yes. You could say everyone's sort of an extension of Steve because everyone knows Steve is like one of the best guys to meet in public. Yeah, you you did get to have your moments, right? But you certainly, you know, you didn't get to go partying with him at the club. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, that's like fair. A lot of people dream. But I also think that, you know, if anything, I learned that that, that era of, of player is, is sort of, it's gone away. You know, you can't be like a Charles Barkley or a Dennis Rodman or a Michael Jordan, you know, party all night and then play the next day or, or play blackjack all night, fly back for your game in Chicago because of social media. You know, I think I've said that being a player in this generation is so much more difficult mentally than it was for those guys. Yeah. They got beat up physically, but you know what? They kind of had to learn that like, you know, here's these, young rich millionaires and they're like well kind of got to keep it in the pocket you know demar Derozan so, kind of talked about something like that a couple weeks ago when he deleted uh, yeah. his instagram to see you know the, see the things lebron gets gets chastised about in in social media is like unbelievable to me because he's such a better person 
publicly than any of the guys in the 80s and 90s, really, right? You know, you never hear him getting tore up a club or smacking around some guy at the bar or, you know, smoking cigars and, and playing blackjack all night. He's just kind of a good family man, you know, and because he says Taco Tuesday, he gets crapped on by everyone, and I don't think that's fair. That's true, and I, I've kind of thought along the same lines as how can you look look past, like, the, the I promise school that he's done and kind of essentially making all these jobs by starting businesses businesses and just creating all these opportunities and then essentially everyone being like, oh, yeah, he, he stinks, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I can't imagine what it is like for his family, especially with kind of Bronny Jr. now. He has televised games you know, on ESPN. We talked about this on the last episode. And he's just it's just going to put him under a lot more spotlight. And I don't know if he's necessarily ready for it. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say is like, he has the perfect example of how to deal with that spotlight. It's his father, right? That's true. That is very, very true. No one dealt with a greater spotlight in high school than his own father. And he's, he's got the best role model <laughs> uh, at home. You know, and no one, I don't think, you know, like Lonzo did, Lonzo Ball didn't have that, right? That's true. <laughs> you know, it's not like, not like LeVar was like the number one player coming out of high school, you know? In his mind, he was. <laughs> in his mind it wasn't for sure so i mean i i'm not worried about lebron's kids at all hopefully they all become great players and if they don't i think they know how to deal with the limelight because their dad's been their dad's still under that microscope you know no matter how good lebron does people still hate him for some reason and you know and these kids are seeing it but they also know like you know with your success you can do a lot of great things for for people who need it that's true so did you grow up a basketball fan uh, I, roughly, I started following basketball in about junior high. You know, before then, like my mother and grandmother only really watched baseball, so I was a huge baseball fan. But you know, basketball. I said this. You know, it's America soccer. You know, I was raised by women, but I couldn't really play baseball alone. You know, <laughs> but you can. You just need a hoop and a ball. You know, and anyone who earned own the nerf hoop knows you could you know you could do all those things in your own living room your own bedroom you know we all did it we all pretended to dunk and all that stuff you know three two one game winner you know and that's you know again you can't do that in baseball you can't do that in football basketball is the only one you know at least in the u.s soccer would be the international equivalent that's why i think there's a lot of great correlation between the two sports and i think that's why the two sports really respect each other that's true. Yeah, there is, especially like in, in America and Europe. I mean, there's just, you see, we're seeing now a bigger love for the game worldwide. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny, when I was in my early years in marketing, I always said, like, why don't we steal ideas from soccer? And I remember there was a PR guy who will remain nameless, and he said, never compete with soccer. And I said, I never said I want to compete. I said, for the biggest for the reason, they have to be doing something right. And part of the uh, someone in creative and the advertising game, like, you, you can't re- really, you know, you don't don't come up with anything new. You really just reinvent the wheel of all the time. And it's funny now. Now you see the NBA, like they've gone super international and they're starting to do little things that mimic soccer. And even this new league realignment they're talking about is, well, guess what? It's just like soccer. <laughs> Man, these people should have been listening to you a long time ago. I'm telling you, man, <laughs> if you only knew, if you only knew. We'll, we'll message Adam Silver and let him know that you, you got some good ideas. <laughs> you know, if I ever if I ever get back into it, maybe maybe the Hornets will call. Hey, there you go. 
Um, so you're currently back working with the the Warriors organization. What what kind of made you want to come back? Well, technically, I don't work for them. I work at the arena. Oh, okay. They have a food and beverage company that they hire to manage, uh, uh, and uh, they they do a lot of like arena food and beverage management. But honestly, what made me want to come back was I didn't get to see my friends on a day to day. You know, I love I love the industry I work with, but you know, I'm older. You know, and people in the restaurant game are a lot younger than me. Uh, and that was, like, the people I work with are sort of, like, the perfect wheelhouse of, like, age and timing and maturity. Just everything you want and, like, good friends. And I made it a point to make friends with everyone, you know. Even now, uh, if you guys scour my Instagram, you'll see that uh, I was even more lost, uh, on the outside of the arena uh, on a temporary mural. So they have, like, these temporary mules they've been doing just to cover up any businesses that haven't opened up yet, you know, just so they don't have empty windows, basically. And one of the designers I used to work with created this sort of like warrior's neighborhood. So it was like a San Francisco neighborhood, but strewn, you know, like it's like a panorama and strewn throughout it is like, you know, famous people from the Warriors, but TMC, Stephen Clay, Tremont, KD, you know, Jim Barnett. Tim Roy, you name it. Like anyone who's major in the Warriors is probably hidden somewhere in this neighborhood. And then eventually started putting in his friends, <laughs> and one of which was me. And he actually named one of the buildings. Uh, it has a sign that says Bar Jocko, and it's me kicking it, you know, in front with another coworker of mine. Yeah. So if you go to Chase Center, while they don't fill that space, you can go see me on the wall. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty You're, cool. You're famous. Yeah, a lot of people will say that. They would have said it before the, the picture, though. What, why would they have said it before? I mean, you know, it's the whole, like, oh, well, he's friends with Harrison Barnes. And, you know, if you guys dig enough, like, you might as well know that I'm, like, friends with Dave Chappelle. And I'm friends with, like, George Lopez, because those are the guys who were in the industry when I was coming up, you know. And I was lucky enough to stay friends with those guys. So I've been seen with them. What can I say? It's <laughs> nothing more than just, like, you know, I was in the right place at the right time, and, you know, they had the personalities to match. That's how friendships work, you know, and I'm blessed to call them friends. Yes, so kind of like taking so, a break from basketball, would you say like Dave Chappelle and George Lopez, like are, are those who, who you're more of a fan of and who you, you like you like comedy from? As far as comedy, what do I like? Yeah. I mean, I definitely love Dave and George. I think, I think I like anyone in comedy that's willing to take a risk. And, you know, comedy kind of like, you know, even though there's comedy that I don't like, I respect what they're doing. And I respect that someone does think they're funny. They might not be funny to me, but they're funny to someone. And and that's great. And if you are striving to make people laugh. Uh, but I also do like comedies that that try to, you know, expand their fan base and not just be, you know, I'm going to be like a gay comic that only talks to my community or I'm going to be a black comic that can only talk to my community. You know, I love comedians who want to talk to the world and like the challenge of like, I don't care who's in the room. I'm going to make them laugh. You know, that's how I was. I was class clown in high school. You don't get that title without trying to make everyone laugh. That, that's kind of, it's kind of the boat that I'm in. Um, except none of my jokes make people laugh. So, <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm thinking like a career shift. Maybe maybe not class clown. That's not what I should be striving for. <laughs> Are you that young? 
<laughs> well, graduate school, man. Graduate oh, okay. school. I was like, if you didn't win already, man, it's going to be tough yeah. to go back. <laughs> yeah, game over. Can't do it. Yeah. Switching back over to basketball, um, let's talk about some of the players right now that are at the facility and uh, just on the team in general. Um, and just overall, what do you think of the I Warriors? The roster right now. <laughs> Well, I can at least name three people that are active. That's average for everyone right now since everyone hopped off the uh, quote-unquote bandwagon. Yeah. The bandwagon. I can name them. I can't tell you much about them. Right. So um, just briefly, let's talk about Draymond. Um, he's been pretty quiet recently due to injuries and kind of not playing a whole lot well, uh, honestly. Uh, how do Warriors fans feel about him in general since you're, you're on the West Coast and you kinda, you're in that atmosphere? And, and do you think he'll stay on the team in the seasons to come? Uh, you know, I think it never hurts to have a guy like that, right? I just think it's like, you know, it's funny. I was watching the Dennis Rodman 30s and 30s, and I thought to myself, what if you let Rodman run a team? What if he was the star? How good would that team be? They'd be terrible, right? Yeah. They're not going to be great because he's what he's bringing. He always filled the gaps that everyone else couldn't fill. And that's the kind of player Draymond is. And that's what makes him great. And I think every great team has that guy. And that's what really makes him great. It's never going to be in the numbers. I know this is such a cliche thing of saying, but I like the... You know, I like to think of it as like, you know, cock filler, you know, at a house or, you know, you know, but all the other players are tiles, but you got to have grout, right? Otherwise, a tile is just going to be all over the place. So he's the grout. And right now he's dealing with a whole bunch of new tiles. And that's probably a difficult situation for him, you know, because it's, it's easy to know where Steph and Clay and Katie, even back before that, you know, like Sean, like you knew where all those guys were going to be. It's like a great quarterback that that doesn't have a receiving core. And honestly, that's probably the best way that anyone could have put it as being kind of the grout guy, uh, kind of filling in the cracks. It's a, it's a perfect example of what he actually is. However, the, the tiles there seem to be a little bit kind of broken up recently. On the flip side, like how, how does the fan base feel about the newcomers, like the rookie Eric Paschal and um, D'Angelo Russell? I mean, you know, the Warrior fan base is always like, they, they love guys who put in the work, you know? I think, I just think, obviously, there's the newer fans who are, you know, it's it's kind of like shelf shock, <laughs> like, what's happened to our team, you know? And it's, it's just going to get taken used to, and, you know, and I think that's where, you know, Warriors marketing, you know, and Warriors PR needs to step up and sort of, you know, can just say, hey, think about it, a year from now, this is their bench, and it's not like they're not competing, you know. Yeah, they're getting blown out once in a while, but they're in a lot of games, you know. Like if if you're a sports better, that you see that they're like covering spreads, you know. So they're they're in games, and that's that's a hell of a lot uh, about this team. It sounds like the uh, the PR and marketing people another reason they need to call you up. Well, yeah, they still kind of do, but oh. you know. So. Earlier we were talking about bandwagon fans, and you said you don't believe in that. You want to shed a little light on, on why that is? I mean, it's such a, the whole thing about being part of a fan base is belonging, right? Like when you're a fan of something and you meet other fans, like you want to belong, right? If you put two fans, no matter how long they've been following the team in the same sports bar, they're going to gravitate towards each other. They're going to have a good time, and you will never ever see one publicly call out the other one for being bandwagon 
they're just going to be fans. And then you also have to think about like every fan starts somewhere, right? You know, when you started being a fan of a team, I know, you know, I became a Warriors fan because they were local, but then there were a lot of people who knew they were bad, right? And it was hard to follow. It's hard to watch that form of basketball. And who was good then? It was the Lakers, you know, or it was Chicago. So I do know a lot of people that are, are Lakers fans from the Bay Area or Chicago fans from the Bay Area because that's what was hot when I was young. You know, there are very few Warrior fans, admittedly. And sure, like, they got good and then people stopped following the Chicagos and stopped following the Lakers and they started following us. And, you know, and hopefully they stick around as fans. But, like, look, in the end, it's entertainment. And if you're not being entertained, like, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to be a fan. Like loyalty can only take you so far. So bandwagon, I, I don't, I don't believe in it. I just think, I just think every fan starts at square one somewhere. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna crap on some eight-year-old kid because they've been a fan for two years. Because <clears throat> that just happens to be when they started following the game. It's just unfair. I don't know. Seems seems pretty convenient. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a fan. I I like it. I I, I love everything you just said. Yeah. I mean, think again. Like, if if two fans were to meet in public, they you never see them question each other's like, you know, how long you've been repping your, this team. It's just hey, let's just root for these teams together. Let's do this. And every team in the history of sports is going to have your quote unquote bandwagon fans, and those are the fans that actually make your team successful, right? You have to generate extra money to pay for the players, you know. A great local example here is like the San Francisco Giants. You know, once they started winning, huge bandwagon. Then they started grossing a lot of money. Then they started being able to pay players, you know, where across the Bay, you don't really get that as much with Oakland, the Oakland A's, because they're, you know, a revolving door of players every single year. And so, you know, I'm an A's fan, but it, and it's hard and I want to get off it real. <laughs> every year I want to just follow a new team. Just because I want to buy a jersey and <laughs> have it hang in my closet for five years. I mean, you you could buy an A's jersey and you would be a true fan for it. Um, you you definitely help them probably pay the salaries for some of their players that they keep revolving through the door. <laughs> so as we end up this um, this interview, I want to put you on some on some hot seat questions. So we're gonna give you either like would you rather's or um, who's better and why stuff like that. Oh, I love these. All right, here we go. All right. On your team, the Warriors, of course, not the A's. We're talking about the Warriors again. Um, would you rather have Prime Steph or Prime KD? You can only have one. Prime Steph. Ooh, why? Uh, two reasons. I mean, he's the greatest shooter of all time. He's, he's, his highlights are far more entertaining. And he's like one of the most marketable players in the NBA. I'm in marketing. So trying to sell fans... On Steph Curry, you know, it's like easy. He's just a great guy. He's entertaining and he's fan friendly and he's someone that you can, as a basketball fan, he's the, I think he's the one player, the one superstar that you can say, you know what? I could be that one day. I could be in those shoes. I don't have to be fucking 6'10. You know, I don't have to be LeBron James. I don't have to be as tall as Joel Embiid. I can just be a regular dude and kill people <laughs> on the court. And that's Steph Curry. He's the, he's the every man superstar. That's true. And I mean, you, you see these kids pulling up from half court yelling Curry. So yeah. they're not yelling I KD. Mean, maybe he's ruined the game, but hey, he found the loophole. 
everyone else had years to find the loophole. I'm a fan. And he found it and he, and, he, and he perfected it. So besides your picture, what is the best thing about the new arena? Best thing about the new arena? Uh, I mean, for me, I, I love the architecture. You know, I hated walking up to Oracle and seeing, you know, that dreary gray cement. I mean, one of my biggest projects was coming up with banners that actually went from the roof to the floor of the arena on the outside. Uh, because I just I didn't want to look at that arena. It's just, it's just ugly, you know. But like you, you know, you walk up to Chase and it's just it's gorgeous. And they're still sort of building the the neighborhood around it, so that's it's still coming up around it. So there's still going to be like park area, a lot of refurbishment that still needs to be done. But the building itself is like Frank Lloyd Wright came up with it. It's, it's beautiful. Dang, that, that's a bold statement. Yeah, dropping Frank Lloyd Wright. Man, it's got the biggest Christmas tree in San Francisco right now sitting in front of it. You know, it's got that. I don't know how big that screen is, but like, it's so cool that you don't even have to go to the game and they provide you a place to watch the game right next to the game. Not a lot of teams have that. That's true. I mean, I can only think of really like the North Jurassic Park, I think they call it up in Toronto. And even that, that's like, it's got a lot of like temporary build out to it where there's like, you know, there's a permanent like, uh, sitting area it's like miniature stadium seat so you're almost they, they try to make you feel like you're in the arena even though you're outside of it truly a team for the people so where do you see the warriors in like three years as far as maybe like playoffs finals appearances tanking where do you see them i mean i think you keep this core that's playing together and you picture them as part of a 12-man rotation rather than be- having to lead the team i mean they're definitely they're definitely set up for deep deep runs and playoffs possibly even finals i think the one thing that i said early on in, in the warriors run which, which is what made them special was they were playing a game that no one else was playing which was efficiently firing up three there have been teams that have run you know run teams up and down court but you know saw it in the nuggets for the 80s saw it in the kings in the 90s early 2000s but then the warriors did it efficient right and then they found out well short corner three is like it's like six feet from a free throw it's like if we can just get as many of those as possible like we can destroy people and it's funny that no one really figured that out i think now what's happening is i don't think that the warriors i mean health aside i don't think they got worse over the years it's just people started figuring out okay they're playing a game that it's clearly working and there's no way to sort of defend against it unless you try to play their game too, which is defense, high efficiency shooting. And, you know, I've always said this, you know, we've seen this out of college for years and it's called Duke. As many people hate Duke, they always go, you know, they always make the tournament. They're always one of the top teams in their, in their league. And they've been playing the same type of basketball. It's, you know, sign a bunch of guys Maybe they're not the best signees in the country, but they can all shoot the three. They can all shoot free throws. They make shots. And as long as you can make shots and hustle, you're going to be in every single game. And if you can do it for 48 minutes, you can win an NBA championship or three. There you go. So, I mean, that's just it. And, you know, you, you see, like, now you, you didn't see anyone hitting 200 threes a year except for, like, Stephen Clay, and then all of a sudden Harden starts doing it. All of a sudden, Devin Booker starts doing, and then so on and so on and so on. Like in these sort of like great three-point shooters that we knew about, like the Corvers, the the JJ Reddicks, like you know they're 
they're increasing the amount of shots that they're shooting because they're you know every team is realizing that that this is the most dangerous shot in basketball right now don't call you want but three is always more than two simple math there it is all right next question mark jackson or steve kerr as your head coach I'm like, yeah, this is not even a question. It's Steve Kerr, but it's not even close. There's, you know, All right, I, I, why? I, I, I'm not going to say I know why, but if Mark Jackson was a good coach, someone would have knocked on his door by now. Ooh, that's true. There you go. Someone would have knocked on his door. Now, whether it's personal or something, you know, something you couldn't do on that bench, you know, clearly the league knows it. Even the Knicks haven't called him. <laughs> Yet. I'm pretty sure the Knicks have called you guys. <laughs> That's true. And you turned them down. <laughs> yeah, we were respectfully declined. Yeah. We gave him Richard Jefferson's number, though. <laughs> As you should. That's Steve Kerr all the way. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of figured based on you talking about him earlier in the episode, but I just I wanted to hear for sure. I mean, if you look at the difference between the you know, the 13-14 the, the team and the 14-15 team, I mean, it's nearly the identical rosters. And then it's like a 20-game difference plus... A championship yeah. and then but you, if you if you watch it in detail it's they play team ball you know you don't see mark jackson team breaking assist records you know strength in numbers strength in numbers that's that's all it was all right guys uh thanks for listening so much jocko it was great having you on today's episode we learned so much my pleasure we hope to have you back again in the future. That would be awesome. We'd love to do it. And next time, if you want to bring Harrison Barnes or Dave Chappelle, it's it's up to you. It's up oh, to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, uh, No one's ever asked me that ever for a podcast. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> well, anyway, Jocko, thank you so much for uh, coming on, and um, have a great shift at work. Oh, thanks, man. I enjoyed it, guys. Hope you do it again. <laughs>